Welcome to interval number four. In this show, I'll be talking about the retirement of Jim Brown. Before we get started, I will be talking about the good that Jim Brown did, as well as the bad. Some quick but important background. Jim Brown is considered by many to be the greatest running back of all time. He played for the Cleveland Browns from 1957 to 1965, and he really did it all. Super Bowl winner, nine-time Pro Bowler, he set dozens of records, some of which still stand today. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was named to the NFL's 100th anniversary team, and just a couple weeks ago, he was honored as the best college football player of all time. All of this is made even more incredible, in my opinion, by the fact that Brown retired when he was 29. That's your athletic peak. He could have played well into his 30s. The era of Jim Brown as this untouchable, dominant athlete is the mid-1960s. But in 1964, he does something pretty important off the field. He becomes an actor. And this is where we start to see in this explicit way that he wants to develop interests outside of football, craving more, as he put it, mental stimulation. And it seems just wanting more freedom with this greater Jim Brown brand. So it's 1966. It's the NFL offseason. And for Brown, that means that he's acting in a movie. This one is called The Dirty Dozen. And it's getting closer and closer to when teams are going to have to report back for preseason camp. And there's no real clear sense of when this production is going to wrap up. When is Jim Brown going to go from being an actor to being a football player playing in season? And the Cleveland Browns owner, Arthur Modell, is getting a little frustrated. The media is also confused and asking questions. And finally, with a lot of people scratching their heads, people not being on the same page, Modell releases this statement, which you can read on the runalongpodcast.com website fully, if you would like. But it pretty much says, even though Jim Brown is this once-in-a-generation player, he's this incredible and important part of the Cleveland Browns team, they don't make any exceptions. If Jim Brown is late to reporting to preseason camp, He'll be suspended without pay, and further action might be taken from there. He might not be playing for the Cleveland Browns. And as you can read, there are some emotions being conveyed. There's some statements in there that don't necessarily show a whole lot of respect for Brown and the type of professional that he might be. Jim Brown responds. Here are the first couple sentences of the response. The rest is also on the website. He says, Dear Art, I'm writing to inform you that in the next few days, I will be announcing my retirement from football. This decision is final and is made only because of the future that I desire for myself, my family, and if not to sound corny, my race. I do want to focus on this last phrase here because it's a huge, huge factor, maybe the deciding factor, really, in Jim Brown's retirement. Not to sound corny, but because of my race. Let's just take a step back here as listeners, as hosts. This is in 1966, right in the heart of the civil rights movement, which had already been going on for nearly 15 years by this point. Even though it pains me to say, as a history major, I do understand that some of you might have been asleep during your elementary and high school history classes. Civil rights era, we're talking Brown versus Board of Education, Montgomery bus boycotts, Freedom Rides, March on Washington, Vietnam War protests, etc., All of this is happening at this time. 
racial justice, equality, pretty much just not treating people like they're less than. These are the topics on the forefront of people's minds. And beyond the Rosa Parks and the Martin Luther Kings, African-American athletes recognized that they had a more amplified voice, that they had this platform, and people looked to them and up to them. Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were activist athletes during this time. I think a big and important example we jump to is the Tommy Smith and John Carlos Black Power salute at the 1968 Olympics. So, hopefully, this all kind of gives a sense of the context that Jim Brown is living, seeing, and internalizing every day, and what ultimately is a major catalyst in this decision to hang him up. And to add one more ingredient to the pot, this is also an era in sports where, as one article puts it, owners ruled absolute over each player's destiny. So this is football. Black man's skill on the field helps to turn profit for old white man owner. Sounds eerily like the worst part of American history that the Civil War was supposed to end. Brown and others wanted freedom. They wanted to be seen as more than just natural talent and amazing specimens in sport. So, Brown retires and goes on to act in several movies. He was a star in a handful categorized under the name Blaxploitation. Apparently, the genre of movies wasn't very sophisticated or high quality in that these films tended to feature stereotypical characters and plots, but they did present black communities and characters as heroes and subjects of films rather than sidekicks, villains, or victims of brutality. And they were pretty popular across America. I thought that was cool when I read that. He does these, many other films, all the way up until his last acting appearance in 2014. He does broadcasting. He was actually the first African-American to announce a televised boxing match in the U.S. He founded the Can program in 1998, a life management skills organization that operates in inner cities and prisons. And he gave back to the sports world he was once involved in as an advisor to the Cleveland Browns and as an owner of the pro lacrosse team, the Long Island Lizards. To recap, the moment Jim Brown retired was compelling and it was significant, both in the way he did it and also in the statement that he made. He was saying, yes, I am a guy who can juke out defenders and score touchdowns, but there are other dimensions to me. And for decades, he showed us what those dimensions were, that he was more than an athlete. I do want to talk about the other things that Brown did in his life after sports. He is not all hero not by a long shot. He is also a man who has been accused of and investigated for beating or raping women at least six times over several decades, a period spanning from the 1960s through 2000. As someone who I guess would be considered part of the media, as I have this microphone in front of me, I have these social media platforms, I have listeners, whether there's five of them or 500 I have a responsibility and I have a desire, really, to talk about these other parts of Jim Brown's legacy. If my words are making you think, hey, this kind of sounds like Kobe Bryant, who did really, really amazing things and then also really, really terrible things, that's on purpose. I listened to this amazing podcast episode, shout out to my friend Katrina for sending it to me, called Let's Talk About How to Talk About Kobe Bryant. It's by Vox in their Today Explained series. 
I don't want to get entangled in comparing Jim Brown and Kobe Bryant and the degree of good and the degree of bad and when they were accused and in Brown's case actually convicted of these horrible crimes. But I think it's important to engage in this topic, to have this conversation, even if it's in this bite-sized way. I think media and especially sports media has a really hard time and has done a pretty bad job at stepping back, seeing the whole sometimes ugly picture of athletes and what they've done off the field of play. There's no blueprint on how to have these conversations. They're difficult conversations to have, and we're obviously still figuring it out. And I'll just end with this. This is from, again, the Vox episode. Here's the big question, right, when we get to the heart of it. What can people do to engage in these conversations about, let's say, all the amazing things Jim Brown did to push society forward without discounting the experiences of people he has harmed? Zita Omadou of SB Nation says this, compassion to all necessary parties. So I know he's talking about Kobe Bryant here, and I'm not trying to perfectly map this on in my analysis. But if you think Kobe Bryant is this wonderful thing, if you think his existence is the best thing that's happened to you, then you also have to extend that type of compassion to the victims and the people that he's hurt. To say things like, it's not the time or it's too soon to talk about sexual assault allegations or the, quote, bad things someone's done, that's not extending compassion to all necessary parties. That's saying that one human life is more valuable than another, and that's not how we're going to create a better world. That's all the profoundness I've got today. Hope to see you next time. (laughs) 